that's how you build rivalries, and that's how you build atmosphere. Edwards, three-pointer, it's good! This team is right there with anybody else in, in the country. They are clicking on kind of a different level that we didn't um, that we didn't see this year. Perry for the lead. Oh! He did it again. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Zone Star State Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Ishmael Johnson. Ish. Today, we are joined by Anthony North of Frogs of War with SB Nation. Anthony, how are you doing today? Hey, guys. Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Excited to talk about some Horned Frogs here. Yeah. Last year, we had you on, and um, like we were talking about off-air, it's been an eventful year for TCU. Football team makes it to the championship game. Uh, basketball team, for the second consecutive year, makes it to the round of 32. Uh, ends the season at 22-13 and 13 overall. Uh, loses a close game to Gonzaga. Um, there's a lot of context and I feel like a lot of nuance in what last season was because Mike Miles got hurt for a bit in the conference season. And so if you just look on paper, it's like, all right, nine and nine in conference. It's kind of disappointing. Maybe didn't live up to the full expectations that we kind of had for them. Uh, but what, what did you make of what last year was? Yeah, I think obviously going into last season, extremely high expectations, that entire starting lineup returning from the tournament team and um, maybe did not live up to those expectations. Like I said on this podcast last year that the the goal, the, the hope was you had to reach the Sweet 16 for it to feel like a, a successful season and TCU obviously did not do that. However, um, yeah, I think there, there were a lot of things that happened along the way that felt like kept being little speed bumps uh, opening the season with Damian ball suspended um, with some NCAA stuff. And then Mike miles getting injured and then Eddie Lampkin um, and, and his departure from the program late in the season into the tournaments. Yeah. Um, all of those impacted the ability for that team to reach its, its maximum potential. But Still, even with maybe those disappointments or those speed bumps to uh, come away kind of upper middle of the pack in the Big 12 regular season um, to get a, a win over what was obviously a very strong Kansas State team in the Big 12 tournament to get a win in the NCAA tournament. And then you kind of run into a matchup nightmare that uh, with Drew Timmy and, and Gonzaga once uh, the frogs lost Eddie Lampkin and his size and, and ability uh, up front. It was going to be a very difficult contest to take down that Gonzaga team. And um, so falling, falling in the round of 32 to a team of that caliber, it's, it's nothing to be too sad about. So I think all in all, very successful season for the Horn frogs and, to get to that second round two years in a row, it just feels like this program continues to uh, be hitting a consistency that it's never had. Yeah. I think when, when we heading into last year, and I think me and Bruni talked about this a little bit early, um, especially conference play where they were, you know, looked like they had a consistent, like you mentioned, had a consistency and they kind of hit a rough patch. I know Mike Miles was out a couple games. Of course you had the Eddie Lampkin thing where he, you know, he, was out and he was transferring. Then it was like, you were kind of figuring out what, what exactly was happening. 
um, with that. Then obviously it came out that he was transferring. You know, when did when do you think this team kind of hit its kind of peak? Because it looked like at first it was like January ish, and then obviously the injury happens and the Eddie Lane thing, and then it kind they kind of hit it up and down as they kind of figure it figure it out. Do you think this team ended at its best, or do you think this team was still kind of like? probably still finding its way a little bit um, with injuries and, and still kind of, you know, kind of a makeshift, not a makeshift roster, but, you know, dealing with Eddie Lampkin being out, no longer available, um, trying to like remake what it kind of what it was on the fly. Yeah. I think it definitely reached its peak of that form The the without Eddie Lampkin form was performing at its, its best level into the end of the season and mm-hmm. the conference tournament and into the NCAA tournament. However, without Lampkin and without really anyone to uh, perform in that way, I mean, Xavier Cork um, provided a very solid um, work for the frogs as did, uh, you know, Jacoby Coles, not really a center role, more of more of a scoring forward role. So a, a lot of guys that had to step up, win uh, in that so um i I wouldn't say that was the peak i think i I think back to the game in fort worth against kansas state where tcu kind of dominated that game and ran away with it and it was maybe eddie lampkin's best game as a horn frog and um with still mike miles not hurt that was maybe operating at peak performance, certainly winning in Kansas um, in Allen Fieldhouse is is probably uh, that's a highlight of the season, no doubt. So um, not many teams ever go in and do that. And that Kansas team was obviously very strong again. So um, there were certainly moments along the way where the team was at more of a full capacity uh, than it ended up at, at at the end of the day. Yeah. And, one thing about last year before we move on was the pace that last year's team played with. It was talked about a lot, how they led the country in fast break points. They pushed the ball consistently. Um, obviously the, the way they were able to also offensive rebound, you know, they're just kind of always at the rim. It felt like, do you feel like that was just a product of having Mike miles and, you know, kind of the guards that they had, or is that something you think Dixon, ideally would want to do for years for years to come in future years. I think it was clearly the best way for this team to maximize the talent on, on that roster um, with Mike miles and, and Damian ball in particular, the way that they can yeah. rebound and run um, as a team was, yeah, it, it was not going to be, uh, that was going to be the best way for that team to, to get wins. The, the half court offense was not as strong. Um, and you know, particularly when your inside presence kind of disappears, you, you don't, you're not able to operate that offense in that mid part of the season where Eddie Lampkin was a, a little bit of a facilitator as well, in addition to his big body. So, um, the half court offense was not going to work in the, it, as the most efficient way for that team to score. And so, they still weren't, they still weren't a good three point shooting team. Still uh, struggling that quite ahead. bad from behind the arc, <laughs> not the yeah. best at the free throw line either. So yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah I, I, 
I guess that's maybe a nice way to say it. They were one of the worst in the country at three point percentage and free throw percentage. So um, really needing to get it done on those fast break opportunities was their best chance to score. And, and they used it to great effect. Um, and, and I think that was the plan, the game plan from Jamie Dixon and not just um, well, this is what Mike miles is particularly good at. And so that's what, that's what we do. Um I'm not sure if that's how they'll operate going forward with, with this next uh, new set uh, of players and the new lineups they'll run out there, but um, it certainly was the way for TCU to find success in, in 22-23. Do you think this team kind of this year won a lot of favor back with, with Jamie Dixon? I know that there were some – you know, obviously it started off really well. Um, they had the NIT run, but then it kind of hit a real big wall. Um, I think once, especially once Desmond Bain left, you were kind of, there were some years where it's like, okay, what's kind of happening there? Uh, Kendrick Davis leaves, goes to SMU, turns into kind of a star, and it's like, oh, what's happening? You know, what, you know, who are the guys that he's kind of bringing in? I say the past two years, I mean, I think, Bruni, I don't know if you remember us before last season, we were like, okay, what is before uh, t- uh, the year before last? Yeah. Um, we're kind of like this is kind of a big year to kind of see what this program is and of course they had the big tournament run they kind of ended the year on a hot streak and then they had the expectations heading into last year yeah um so do you think this kind of like earned this year the past couple years have earned favor back with jamie dixon to where it's not like okay what's this guy doing as opposed to no this is something this is something he's kind of consistently built yeah you're not hearing any of that social media kind of nonsense of like, all right, we got to look for It's time for the Jamie Dixon era to end. That is, all right, right. that is not on anyone's radar at this point. I think a, a couple of years ago, it definitely was particularly, there were a lot of transfer departures. I think, you know, entire yeah. uh, recruiting classes that would ha- had left and it was uncertain whether, you know, whether that was a Jamie Dixon problem, whether that was a TCU problem, um, or if it was just the nature of things. And I, I think Jamie Dixon has really, and this staff has embraced the transfer portal uh, in a really strong way that um, it, it helps when you're able to maintain these teams as well. So, I mean, last season being able to um, bring back the, the guys that they were for, for Damian Ball to come back, for Eddie Lampkin to come back, uh, in addition to Emmanuel Miller and Chuck O'Bannon and all of those guys um, that all could have departed for the NBA or or for other programs around the country, for those guys to all stay in Fort Worth um, kind of was the first sign that maybe that message, that concern about Dixon was uh, was falling away. And then um, to to run it back and have another successful year I think he's definitely earned that um, a little bit of goodwill. Uh, you know, certainly the social media, the fans will come back as soon as, you know, uh, yeah. you lose a game to somebody you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of who it was last season. They lost a game early in the in the non-conference to, Northwestern you know, somebody State. in the – Yeah, there you go. Somebody yeah, in like, we, the Ken Palm we, we, we came 300s. on here. We, we, hey, it was us. All right, it wasn't social media, actually. We were the ones, we were the ones we blowing the on horn. here yelling that it was concerning. unacceptable. You can't yes. lose Northwestern State. <laughs> no, absolutely not. So, uh, you know, if something like that happens again early in this next upcoming season, those those whispers will will come out again. And and but I would have every expectation that that Dixon would right the ship and and get it ready to, um, 
you know, make another tournament run. Yeah. Those, those first three games of the season, Pine Bluff, Lamar, Northwestern state, there were, were quite a yeah, doozy. Yeah. Needing like a last second shot to beat Arkansas Pine, Pine Bluff, Bluff is not what you like to see to open the season. <laughs> oh man. I can't wait for the season already. Can't wait. <laughs> Get on here and yell about tcu losing the northwestern state some non-conference game yeah exactly right can't wait to just get on here and start yelling um all right we, we mentioned the transfers uh let's get into them a little bit avery anderson from oklahoma state jameer nelson jr ernest uday uh travin tennyson and Assam mustafa that's a really 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 strong transfer portal hall like that is something that uh might be the best in the state and so to you get those five to basically replace Mike Miles, Damian Ball, and Eddie Lampkin. Um, do any of those five, you know, stand out specifically to you? To to me, they're all very, very talented players. I know Jameer Nelson is probably the highest rated of those five. Yeah, I think it's it is an incredible haul for for Jamie Dixon and the staff. I think that it it really sets up. I mean, those five guys could be a starting five at a lot of programs uh, around the country uh, alone, and then. Uh, to join them up with Chuck O'Banning coming back for a seventh season and, and Emmanuel Miller coming back um, is it, it sets up very nicely and, and they do replace some specific pieces. I think Jameer Nelson will probably step right away into the, the starting point guard role. Um, you'll, you'll see uh, Ernest Uday Jr. Step right into that, that big man role um, and be most likely starters and, huge contributors uh, from day one for the Horn Frogs. So um, I think it is, it will be interesting as always to see how the, the lineups are built and how they're deployed, but it gives you every bit of faith that um, they'll be ready to, to put something on the court that can, can stand up against most teams nationally. And uh, you know, you lose some other depth pieces as well. PJ Haggerty, um, redshirted last season as a true freshman and was kind of the um the crown jewel of the recruiting class coming in last year and and he didn't get to play very much and and then has now transferred out and you lose a couple of other transfers shahada wells um rondell walker so the depth really uh, the lack of depth last season really showed down the stretch i think and to be able to add very talented, um, experienced players that will be able to come in and, and compete in this very challenging Big 12 was was a huge for the Frogs. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I, I know PJ Haggerty was, you know, somebody that I really liked at Crosby. Um, but when it comes to the depth, I, man, I don't know. There's There are like 12 players on this team that could like legitimately get minutes for sure. Um, we were kind of, we were having a, uh, me and Brittany were kind of joking around where it's like, is it going to be like a old, like a Kentucky platoon where it's like Full five platoon. in five? Yeah. Like, I don't know that. I don't, is that is that the concern with this team? Because like there there is a thing there is such thing as too many players sometimes. Um, to where like we I mean I'm a fan of Travian Tennyson. I'm a fan mm-hmm. of uh, uh, Avery Anderson. Avery Anderson the third. But it's also like okay, well Avery Anderson's probably going to start because he Micah has you know, yeah. Micah Peavy is like you, you figure Avery Anderson's like probably the the nailed on starter for having experience in the Big Twelve and and you know playing for Oklahoma State. But it's like okay, Tennyson is an All Conference player in his own right, but does he come off the bench? You know, it's like it's like so so many different uh, so many different factors going in. 
is that a concern to some people where it's like, okay, cool. Jacoby Coles had a great year kind of stepping in into a role last year, but now you bring in like two bigs that potentially move him back to the bench to where he maybe doesn't get the same amount of minutes as he did. Yeah. I think it's always a concern that it's a, it's a balance that, that Dixon and the staff will have to, to hit where, you know, these guys are going to what they, they didn't transfer here to not play. Um, you know, they, they're coming to Fort Worth to, to get on the court and, and compete in the big 12. So um, certainly you're not going to be able to just let them, let them ride out. And I, I think that said, I don't know that for the most part, these guys are, uh, you know, have to uh, too many mouths to feed. I think it's, mm-hmm. it is a minutes question. Like you got to get these guys on the, on the court enough yeah. to, to feel like they're contributing, but I don't know that they're all like the ball stopping must, mm-hmm. must take all the shots all every time down the court. I mean, Jameer Nelson was a prolific scorer, uh, certainly at Delaware and, and, he's maybe the most in that mold of, uh, you know, you kind of feel like you got to get him his, but Mm. other than that, I think these guys are all have, will end up having particular roles that they will play in these lineups that um, Jamie Dixon will be able to deploy and, and use throughout the season. And, and also bringing in two, uh, you know, we, we may be moving on to this later on, but two really strong uh, true freshmen that, I think in a lot of places would step into big minutes right away, but here at TCU, because like you mentioned, the depth is just uh, is such that they may not get the kind of minutes that they, they, their pedigree and their talent um, would allow in, in other places around the country. Yeah. I mean, we can just, we can talk about them a little bit right now. Jace Posey out of a straight Jesuit and uh, Isaiah Manning from a Mansfield legacy, uh, Posey in particular, four-star uh, shooting guard, um, I think uh, one uh, one eleven, so the hundred eleventh player on on threes uh, industry ranking. Um, Isaiah Manny, a three-star power forward. Um, are those two guys that you you're really high on? You like a lot? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm really excited for those two guys. I think they have big time potential. Um, you know, I think. Isaiah Manning is is listed at 180 pounds. That's maybe a little concerning at six seven. That that uh, you know he might not be able to to bang with the bodies um, mm-hmm. in the Big Twelve. But um, you know I think that's a that's a true freshman listed weight on on the website. I think he'll he'll be able to to come in and, and put on some mass. But um, and and Jace Posey. I mean the 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 name alone. You know we've got. Uh, Jameer Nelson Jr. and and Jace Posey on this team. It's it's fun to see. You know, it makes me kind of it makes me feel super old as well because watching <laughs> watching their dads play in the NBA. Right. right. Um, it, it's uh, it, it's like wow that the time has really disappeared. So um, <laughs> that's that's gonna be fun. I mean, I I just think I you know for this freshman season for them, I I hope that they get enough run and get the you know kind of feeling of support for their future that they stick around for, for what's next um, in their careers at TCU and, and don't feel like they've been pushed out perhaps like, like PJ Haggerty and his move out of, out of Fort Worth. It's just, yeah, it's so, it's so hard nowadays to, to build a complete roster with the transfer portal and then 
take two freshmen. I mean, two freshmen is, feels like it's like the average nowadays of what college teams are taking. Maybe three, two to three, mm-hmm. and the rest are all transfers. And so it's like you have a team like TCU where you have ten players that have experience. I mean, it's and you're competing to try to win, you know, a Big Twelve championship. It's hard to get those in there, and so then those guys like PJ Haggerty just kind of. It feels like you're in a waiting game for two, three years um, until you can transfer and find the right home. So that'll be an interesting. And, uh, and totally understandable for, for those that are not patient and are ready to hit the court. Yeah. You know, it, it's understandable to go find that opportunity elsewhere when, when it doesn't present itself where you start. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else ish? Uh, I guess just the expectation for this year now. I mean, obviously you lose Mike Miles. It's a, you know, all conference you know, potential. That's what uh, I was going to say. Sorry to play the year type. Yeah, we, no, we go, talked go about this. We talked about this on our, on a couple episodes ago when we were doing the whole, <laughs> is TCU the best team in the state thing? We were like Houston, TCU, Texas, all this stuff. Losing Mike miles. I don't want to undersell that because all the transfers, I, I, you know, I love the transfers. I like the returners, but yeah. this team without Mike miles last year was, they struggled, right? They mm-hmm. lost a lot of games. So, as much as I want to buy into all these new transfers, it's like, all right, they have to at the same time, fill the shoes of Mike miles, who was one of the best players in the big 12. So somebody has to be that like alpha type player. You can't just have a bunch of like solid role players here. Someone has to step up. And so that's an interesting thing when looking at the expectations, like uh, Ish mentioned. Yeah, definitely being the best player at Delaware and the best player at Texas A&M Corpus Christi is not the same thing as being the best player on a contending team in the Big 12. And so, yeah, replacing Mike Miles, it's it's not really – these guys are not going to come in and replace Mike Miles, right? So I think it's it's how do they come together and form a team that performs to that level. Um, but, yeah, certainly losing Mike Miles – in in my opinion, looking forward to the uh, you know the expectations for this year, I think the expectations should be lower going into this season than they were going into last season, um, simply because Mike Miles Jr. and Damian Ball returning going into last season was such a known commodity for this team that you knew exactly what you were going to get out of those two and out of the entire starting lineup um you knew that they were going to come in and and perform at a high level there are many more unknowns going into this team and and into this season i think um so you know the expectations should be you reach the tournament you're competing in the big 12 and you're putting yourself in position to potentially win multiple games in the tournament. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, I do think just off the bat, the, the potential ceiling might be lower because f- from what we know today, none of these guys are, are the, you know, facilitator playmaker of Damian ball or the, the big time scoring star of, of Mike miles. And, Perhaps they will become that, and we'll see it once it's it's all put together on the court. But today, it's just a total unknown. the The depth is is just so enticing to to Ish and myself. It's like, yeah. man, if they can figure, if they can put it together, it's like if the collective unit has to step up, right? Like these experienced guys, like Jacoby Coles, Micah Peavy, those guys have to take a not a huge step up, but they have to be able to step in and play 
20 minutes and be more effective than what they usually are. So that's the the interesting thing for me because you're right. Some people, I was looking at the top 25s, you know, I've seen them at 18 and one, 20 and another, and then unranked in another one. So it's like, where do they land exactly? But definitely, yeah, I, I, I think that 20 to 25 range is probably a fair place to start. I know let, going into last season, there were a lot of people that had TCU in the top tens going yeah. into the, mm-hmm. going into the season. And, and that turned out to be a little bit ambitious. Um, I think the, the bottom end of the top 25 is, is a very fair place for this one frogs team to be. And going into the season, will certainly have every opportunity to to prove themselves in a in a stacked big 12 yeah all right anything else ish no that's it for me all right well anthony uh thank you for joining us man this was a lot of fun uh good look at always one of the more intriguing teams in texas somehow i i feel like there's always something to talk about with tcu whether it's yelling at them about northwestern state or (laughs) adil ampkin going on a social media rampage on the coach it's, it's, it's never boring <laughs> all right thanks guys yeah thanks for joining us man